It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. Thank you so much for joining me. And if this is the first time you're tuning in, we'll welcome. We have two fantastic guests on the show like we normally do, but this time we kind of have a little difference here. We're going to have them together. Uh, we're going to be talking to the same two people uh, throughout the whole show, which we have done a few times before. But a first, I think, for us is they are married. So this is going to be even a different experience for us, and hopefully we can uh, get some different stories and different perspectives, which is why we do this show, uh, is to get fantastic stories from great leaders, uh, from people that are talented, that are doing fantastic things around talent, leadership, culture, uh, whatever it may be. And we want to make sure we understand what you know the top leaders are thinking about, the books that they're reading, maybe the challenges that they're facing right now that we might be thinking about or we might learn from. We've had so many fantastic stories over the years that I put a lot of them in my first book, which is a bestseller called The Power of Company Culture. You can get that wherever you buy your books online. Uh, hopefully there's something in there that you can take away as it's really my focus every single time we come together here on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time is to give you a nugget, to give you something that you can take away and use in your life, in your work. Uh, maybe to make yourself better or to help your team or even your marriage, as we're going to find out here in a minute. So whatever may that may be. Um, you know, we most people uh, tune in uh, actually after the fact. So thank you to all of you that are turning in live. But most of you actually show up later on in the podcast. You get us on iTunes. You subscribe there. Maybe you go to talenttalkradio.com and you subscribe there with Podbean or listen to us on our Heart Radio or Stitcher. Wherever you find us, thank you. Make sure you subscribe that way you were alerted whenever a new show drops. And this show will drop in a few weeks, and you can go back and listen or share with your friends. Uh, we also love to keep the conversation going and make sure that those of you that maybe can't write something down as you're listening, or maybe you want to know who you're talking to and you want to let us know what you think or to follow them, we live tweet this show on Twitter. So just go there now, follow at peopleg 2 or you can follow the hashtag talent talk. That's all one word. My social media coordinator, Angela, will feed me the best questions and we'll work them into the show as time allows. We'd love to do that. Or you can just, if, it's, if you're listening after the fact, it's totally okay to go in and ask a question or make a comment later on about the show. Uh, even if it's days, weeks, months, or I've even have, I've had it happen years later that someone listened to a show and had a question and even the guests were able to respond then. So it was really kind of cool. All right, so I've, I've teased you a little bit with our, our kind of special format today. Let me talk to you about who my guests are. They are a power couple. 
and hopefully I'm going to say both of the names correct. I know I can get the first one right, Robert, uh, but Robert and uh, Zahira. Did I, did I get that kind of right? You were close, Chris. Zyra. Zyra. Okay. Zyra. All right. Uh, so Robert and Zyra Solano, um, we have a running bet that if I don't get at least one name wrong on the show, the world will end, like apocalypse will happen. It is like a thing that I have to continue to mess someone's name up. So um, <laughs> I don't know why I do this every week when I'm so bad at saying people's names, but apparently that doesn't bother bother anybody but me. So they are, uh, Robert is the author of Alpha Couples, Building a Powerful uh, Marriage Like a Boss. And his uh, badass wife, Zara uh, Solano, is a owner and attorney of Solano Law Firm. So, you know, as I said, rather than having two segments of the show, we're going to have this kind of, this power duo share the full set of time and we're going to interview them together. We'll kind of change the focus here or there with them, but I'm excited to have you both on the show. Welcome. Thank you for the introduction, Chris. And thank you for letting us be your, your first married couple guests. I am honored that we're able to share this with you. Yeah, it's awesome. To, we, we love to kind of keep it fresh. And when, when Angela brought up this idea, when we're talking to, to you both, I went, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do this. That sounds like fun. Let's, let's, have, let's have a couple on. And you know, there's a lot of, I know a lot of couples that work together, a lot of couples that are maybe in business together, or maybe they're just both kind of in business. They may not be doing it together, but um, you know, it's funny the conversations they have and the things that they're focused on. And so I'm really excited to get your, your both of your perspectives. Maybe can you each uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself and what you do, how you describe, you know, what you do and who you are to people. And I think we'll go ladies first on this one. Sure. Thank you, Chris. We're also really excited to be on here. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm also an attorney and uh, at Solano Law Firm, we help immigrants build a better future. And what that basically means is that my team and I work with immigrants in the United States or foreign nationals around the world to help them obtain legal status so that they can live and work in the U.S. legally and basically achieve the American dream like all of us. Um, I started the firm about eight years ago, pretty young, straight out of law school. Uh, it was my first full-time job was working for myself as an attorney. Uh, I, I started with $100, a laptop, a cell phone, and a lot of hustle and desire to really build something from nothing. And that has led me to where I am now um, with multiple office locations, uh, working fully remote first before the pandemic and then after, which I'm sure we'll get into today, and really enjoying the impact that um, my team and I make on the immigrant community. And most recently, focusing my energy as a CEO, I really enjoy the impact that I'm making directly on my team members. So that's a little bit about me and, okay. and uh, where, where I come from as far as work. Fantastic. And how about you, Robert? So a little bit about me. First off, I'm definitely one of the luckiest men alive because I'm sitting next to my beautiful and amazing wife who has uh, been partnered with me for the past few years. Um, other than being a lucky man, uh, I'm also a program manager for the federal government. Um, so a little bit about my background. Uh, after I graduated West Point, I spent about eight years flying helicopters uh, and then about eight years ago, I switched over to program management. And, and what that means is I help develop technologies and deliver capabilities to help our users solve their complex and difficult problems. And most recently, 
I worked with Sarah, and like you said, we wrote our book, Alpha Couples, Build a Powerful Marriage Like a Boss. Where we share lessons and what people would consider juicy details uh, about <laughs> everything we've learned to get to where we are now and how much further we have to go and how much more we have to learn. Well, Robert started off with a compliment, which I was laughing a little bit in my head about because it's the perfect thing to do for any spouse. But, I, you know, I noticed that good teams, good partners, whether they're married or they're in business together, they complement each other, right? And and there's usually one who's more vocal about it that's really, you know, appreciative or, or finds a way to tell that other person they appreciate them. Um, and so I was really I'm excited to kind of hear that's how it started off because it, that it always seems to be a part of that equation, a part of that mix. Um, one might be more outgoing, one might be more technical, but you know, it always seems it has to be that common uh, foundation, I think, there. So uh, maybe you guys could tell me a little bit more about the book. Let's maybe start there. We can kind of kind of group that together. I know we're going to have some questions here for Robert, and then at the commercial break, we're going to kind of move the focus over to you. But um, Zara, but you know, maybe we could start with together a little. Tell us a little more about the book. Yeah, so the book started uh, about four or five years ago is when we started out writing it. But really, the story starts back to when Sarah and I started dating about eight years ago. Uh, we met on Match.com when we were both living in Georgia, and I fell in love with her right away. She's an amazing, incredible woman. Um, and as we started talking about marriage we were presented with a huge challenge of how we were going to manage our dual careers um, and have a successful relationship at the same time. Uh, my job at the time was moving me down to Orlando, Florida. Um, Syra was a CEO of a business that was headquartered in Alabama and Georgia. And trying to understand that dynamic of how we were going to make this long distance, you know, relationship, you know, executive couple relationship work uh, was a huge challenge. Um, and the book, for the most part, documents how we we did that. It documents mm -hmm. how we traveled back and forth every week, you know, frequent flyers uh, between Atlanta and Florida. It documents how we uh, hired help to to help us achieve some of the things we've done. Um, and it, it, it documents how we had to change our mindset. Mm -hmm. And and you bring up a good point. You know, lots of lots of companies that succeed have co-founders, right? Like you look at uh, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, who co-founded PayPal. You look at Warren Buffett and, and Charlie. Um, and it, it required us to start thinking of our marriage as we're co-founders, right? Like we're not just in this just to for hang the out. hang out. Um, you know, we're co-founders and, and our marriage is the, the center of how we are trying to change the world through our businesses, through our book, through our mentorship, through our nonprofit. Um, and the book dives into those dual career dynamics in a lot of detail. And, and also it, it, it documents uh, a lot of the coaching that we've been through. I was the technician in my organization for much longer than I should have been. And when I decided to go on this journey of learning how to um, be more effective leader and how to grow a business. Robert um, was right by my side and said, we're gonna do this together. We're both gonna learn together, shift our mindset together. And um, we really talk about that as well uh, in the book. So what does it mean then to be an alpha couple? 
<laughs> right? It's it's I think it's a term that that's confusing, and we struggled with that name because Robert, honey, right? You can, he came up with alpha couples at first, and I said, you know, when people read that, what is their their interpretation going to be? Are they going to imagine like two, you know, very loud? Um, strong people that come in a room and just make everyone feel small. Like that's what I think people are going to understand. But once you read it, that's yeah. definitely not the interpretation that you get. From yeah, I do think of two. I do think of two extroverts or two people who are. No, they don't have to be extroverts, but two people who are very powerful or very accomplished or very successful. So maybe it's the success part on however yeah. you do it. But how how do you define it then? Yeah, I really wanted to redefine what it means to be an alpha in the book. Um, unfortunately, the term alpha has this somewhat negative connotation, mm -hmm. extroverted, loud, boisterous, you know, very competitive nature. When I started doing research for the book, I started looking in the animal kingdom. And I was incredibly surprised to find out that in the animal kingdom, most packs of animals are led by a male and a female, the, the alpha couple. Um, and it's almost always a pair, um, and, and they're not competitive and dominant. They're at the heart, they're parents. Um, you know, these leaders, the, the man, the male and the female, usually, although there are uh, examples of LGBT uh, type animal behavior, but these leaders work together to nurture their pack, to protect their pack, to care for them. Um, to help help the people that they're responsible for and the animals they're responsible for, you know, grow up to be to be better themselves. Um, and so I really wanted to try to bring that spirit into our relationship and into the book uh, and redefine what it means to be a leader, right? Like an alpha couple at its heart is their leaders um, that, that care for their family, that care for their businesses, that care for their community. Uh, and that's the spirit of the alpha couple that I discuss in my book. Yeah, we certainly don't want to be like being the lions, right? Which I think the the female lion, the lioness does pretty much all the work and does everything. And the male lion just lays around and like hunts, <laughs> hunts one hour a day. Um, and that's a bit uh, maybe the old school or uh, certainly not, I think, what we want to think about in an alpha couple. But there's like you said, so many better examples where they're doing it together Yep. Um, and, and they're, and they're leading, not just themselves they're not just taking care of themselves, but an entire group, um, that may or may not even necessarily be related to them. Right. It's just sort of that, that, that pod or that tribe, which, you know, I think we can understand as humans and having that, as group of people that we feel very connected to and we care about and we, we help and, or even lead. Um, yep. And, and to add to that, Chris, if, if you look around our, the, the, I don't want to call it the gener the current generations, but the idea of a traditional leave it to beaver marriage is very quickly fading away. Um, and when we look around our circle of friends and, and colleagues and those who are similarly, similarly situated where you have two career focused individuals in a marriage with children, maybe one's an entrepreneur, maybe one's an executive or both are the same. There is this, idea and acceptance of women and men in a marriage, in a relationship, really share a dual role to help their family fulfill its dreams and its goals. And there's not more work that one has to do than the other. And that's really what alpha couples um, means to us. And the same message that we want to share with the world, you guys are not alone. 
we're just like you, you're just like us. We're, we're trying to figure this out differently than what our parents did and their parents and so on and so forth. So what, what are maybe some of the lessons that you hope people will learn, you know, around leadership, especially maybe things that you've learned in your marriage or that you might take for business, but maybe for the person who feels like they're the average person in the average job and the average marriage, right? I mean, most of us um, weren't flying around helicopters or, you know, starting a law firm to help uh, immigrants. I mean, so some, somebody might say, geez, that's like at the top, right? That is alpha, right? And I'm here. But what, what is it you hope they might take to just improve wherever they may be right now in their lives? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, first off, to have a growth mindset. And, and I think there's a lot of parallels between business and marriage, at least um, how we view marriage. You know, in, in business, if your business isn't growing, well, you're losing out. Like, you're losing to competition that's coming up. You're losing market revenue. You're losing market shares. And so in business, you always want to continue to grow. And we find that we try to have the same mentality in our marriage. We're, we're always trying to grow. We're always trying to learn something new about each other. You know, we're, we're never taking each other for granted because I write in the book, the moment you start taking your partner for granted is the moment you start growing apart. And so we're always trying to grow together um, you know, be, be more intimate, make sure we have date nights regularly scheduled, uh, grow financially, learn how to manage finances as a couple, which is a huge, huge challenge for so many people, especially dual professionals. And so I say having a growth mindset is definitely key. Um, and, and with that, one of the things we find is coaching and counseling uh, for business and your marriage are key. Um, Sarah has business coaches. I have business mentors. Uh, and in our marriage, you know, we regularly go see a marriage counselor or a marriage coach um, to help us get to that next stage, just as if we were, you know, training for a marathon or, or trying to condition our body. Our marriage needs that kind of conditioning and, and TLC as well. Yeah, and that's and that's really important. And I think Zara, you mentioned something earlier about the changing perspectives of the, in, in different generations and how we're doing things. And even if it's not the leave it to beaver mentality, it is at least the mentality of, I think there used to be like boxes, right? Or like separation. You had your work thing. And even if both, you know, par partners were, were working, I had my job, you had your job. We came home, family was, we coexisted inside a family right? I have my friends, you have your friends. I mean, even still to this day, Hollywood perpetuates this thing. We're going to have guys night. We're going to have girls night. Everything's going to be separate. But I meet a lot of really successful people where it's like they took that Venn diagram and just squished it all into one. And so there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Um, is that the right way to go? Is that just the way you guys went? And is it harder to do it that way? That's it's definitely... The way we've yeah. went. Um, it, and it's, it's the way it works for us. Yeah. Is it the right way? I'd like to say yes, um, based on our experience and based on the fact that the leave it to beaver uh, analysis that we keep going back to, Robert writes about it in the book. When we were dating, he had a very difficult time coming home and 
me either being in another state running a firm or on a plane trying to get home or still working at the end of the day, right? Like he was really prepared for this traditional marriage that we couldn't make happen at the time. Now that we're both working remotely and we're home together all day, every day, mm -hmm. we, we can, but we, we had to understand that that was not our normal. Our normal is what you're describing, where everything just kind of flows together. Some conversations on brunch have nothing to do with us as individuals, but has to do with our businesses. Um, a lot of our trips are with at conferences or colleagues, and there's this mix of work and personal life. So I think if you it, it, it will cause you so much less stress if you don't put yeah. things in boxes and you just kind of go with the flow with boundaries, right? Without letting anything be more important than what we all do this for the for at the end of the day, which is to live a better life for each one of our families. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when we started dating, I had this idea of work-life balance. I, I wanted exactly what you just described. I wanted to go work, you know, my nine to five and then come home and then hang out and completely disconnect from the office. And that wasn't sustainable. Um, but once we switched from work-life balance to work-life integration, mm -hmm. then there was just so much more happiness. And it, I know it's difficult for some people. Um, obviously, you know, Syra owns her own company. She can uh, make a lot more unilateral decisions than lots of corporate employees. Um, but like Sarah was saying, you know, the ability to, to shape our careers and to shape our marriage and to shape our community efforts around what we're passionate about is just so huge. Um, and even, you know, one of our mottos is uh, to build a better future. That's the law firm's motto. Uh, the motto for the book is build a powerful marriage and um, you know, throughout all aspects of our life, we have this desire, desire to, build. To, to build and help other people build themselves up. You know, just today, Syrah awarded a scholarship to a college student, mm -hmm. um, again, because we want to help those people uh, build better futures for themselves. And um, I believe in work-life integration, uh, and it's uh, un unlocked a lot of happiness for us. And I think you bring up a very good point that we have talked about in the show before, which is, and, I, and I've shared my own personal story that I used to feel very guilty about working too much, but then I wouldn't remember all the times that I stopped working and went and did something for my family or for myself. And all I remembered was I wasn't working like during this traditional time that I should have been working. And yet if I was doing emails at eight o'clock at night or worked on a project until midnight, I didn't even counter that to, well, that means I'm going to have to then let off the gas some other point in the day tomorrow. Yeah. And once I started integrating that, right, and looking at it as an overall picture instead of this very traditional, well, I work nine to five, which I've never worked nine to five, but, <laughs> um, you know, six to six or whatever, you know, whatever that time is, you're going to work. But, you know, that you're going to have ebbs and flows throughout the day. And if you take advantage of those, both because it's the right thing to do for you, but also around your energy, because I cannot push through when I just feel like crap and don't want to work. Yep. It just I need to stop. I need to go do something else, re-energize, and then I'll have a huge spurt of productivity at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night when I may have been watching a show with my wife, you know, and she's doing schoolwork and I, you know, for her classroom and I'm doing something else. And that's great. But I used to, like, you, you had these very fixed ideas about what it was supposed to be, and then you would feel guilty. So, yeah, you bring up a... 
that term work-life integration is, is great. One thing we still uh, hang on to, Chris, that's really traditional is dinner. Um, dinner is the one time of day that we both still sit together. If we're both in the same city yeah. under the same roof, um, we don't skip dinner. So if I have to wait a little bit later or he has to wait a little bit later, that's our time to, to break bread and to really de stress from the day and just kind of talk about how our days went, maybe do a little bit of planning. Mm. Um, and it's our time to connect because even though we're together all day long, we're both in meetings and working all day. It's almost like we're, we're not together all day. Yeah. And that time is really, really important. In fact, I had, I instituted a rule when, you know, we had our sort of having kids at the dinner table that that time was for us to connect and to be together and that we were not going to talk get you know upset with anybody about anything it was not a time to have a, a serious conversation about something or if you know, someone didn't do their homework like i didn't want that time to be about something negative right yeah. uh, we can have another conversation 10 minutes after dinner but dinner needed to be that time for us to just connect and see enjoy each other right, right. Um, and and put your phones away and your computers away and just like be present um yeah it's super super important so well, we're going to take a quick little uh, one-minute commercial break here, and uh, we'll come back and, and dive in a little bit into the work that uh, Sahara's doing, and uh, Robert will, will stay with us as well. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, in case you are just now popping in, I'm with the power couple, the, the alpha couple, uh, Robert and, uh, and Zara Solano. And uh, I want to kind of kind of turn our, our focus into finding out what really caused you to to start your law firm um you can you can become a lawyer you can go into lots of different kinds of law but why did you choose this specific type of law so i had been working uh chris with attorneys who represented a lot of immigrants um pretty much throughout my my last year of high school all through college and in law school and from a very young age, I knew I wanted to own a business. I didn't know what that would be. And as a child, I always wanted to be a doctor until I discovered mock trial um, in high school. And that's what really <laughs> sparked my interest. And I was sold. I was like, I am going to be a lawyer. I don't know what kind of lawyer I'm going to be. I imagine I'd probably be in some high-rise building in downtown Atlanta, uh, but that is not <laughs> exactly where I ended up. I, I took a course on 
human trafficking in the United States and really started to learn more and more about immigration. I gave up a study abroad in Spain, um, my second to last year in law school to go work for um, a well-known immigration attorney in Atlanta. And that's why I fell in love with the subject. It is extremely challenging, yet extremely rewarding the the work we get to do and the lifelong and generational impact that we make on immigrants. It's just fantastic. I love it. So, so while growing your business, um, what lessons have have you maybe learned the hard way? And and I'm sorry that you had to pass up on the, uh, on the trip to Spain. Hopefully you've gone back since. (laughs) Yeah, um, we have. So I, I basically, did everything for about the first five years of the business. I was fortunate enough to get on radio my first year and really hustle market sell and get my name out there within my own networks. And I was the one doing consultations. I was the one drafting. I was the one going to court, meeting with clients and pretty much thinking about how I could create a bedroom um, in my in my office. I was thinking about sleeping there at some point. And um, the hardest thing I learned, I, I wouldn't say too late, but wish I had learned earlier, was that I can't be the full-time technician and also be the full-time CEO. It is just, there's not enough hours in the day to do both of those things at a thousand percent and effectively. And and really, this is questions, I guess, for both of you. Um, I know you're you're currently doing a little bit of the digital nomad thing. You've been uh, you're off in, in in the mountains somewhere uh, for a month, and uh, you know dealing with the pandemic and kind of changing how you're working and all of that. But are there things that maybe has changed about how you approach work or how you approach leadership now that you've had to do that in a more remote way, and it's giving you that flexibility to not have to. I guess, hop on planes just just to see each other, right? Yeah, I think to begin with, uh, whether your your business or your marriage, I like to tell people, focus on what's the most important use of your time. Uh, If if you're the CEO, you should hopefully, you know, get to a level where you're not being your own receptionist answering Mm -hmm. phone calls. Um, If you're a dual couple like us, you shouldn't be... Uh, cleaning toilet bowls, right? Like you, you need to, you need to hire a receptionist. You need to hire help, um, so you could really focus on what's going to be the most rewarding and impactful aspect of, of your business, your life, your career. Um, and so, I'd say that is number one. Okay. Yeah, and I, and just to add to that, I had a little bit of an advantage um, before COVID. So, in about 2015, which Robert writes about in the book, I had to figure out how am I going to run a law firm remotely, a law firm that requires me to physically go to a a courthouse and defend my clients and or a a business that the client really feels trust in that physical one-on-one interaction. Like how how am I going to do this? And I started learning and um, developing a remote practice a few years ago. And so during um, the pandemic, I may be steering away from the question here. I can't remember it now. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we've, we have the right people. If I can uh, you know, address anything else, it's the fact that we have an outstanding team right now who 
when we had to go virtual from one day to the next, was able to keep their head in the game, remember our mission, stay focused on the goal, and and remember that day in and day out, giving their all benefits our clients. Um, and I think that that has been one of the most powerful, impactful things that I've been able to observe in my business um, through working virtually through the pandemic. Yeah. And so you mentioned people and how... How does uh, how does that then translate into all the things that you guys know and what you're focused on? How does that translate then into culture? Because um, both of you, it sounds like, are are high performance people, and so that's not always how, what how where everyone else is in their lives, right? And so we have to be able to manage different types of people. And then you know, having a, a West Point grad is probably not easy to live up to either. I mean, <laughs> right? So. Um, you know, probably makes his bed every day. Um, you know, that's super annoying kind of stuff. So, you know, <laughs> we have had lots of arguments about making the bed. <laughs> so how does that all translate into culture? It does. So what, for me, Chris, I didn't start hiring for culture until a few years ago. That's, that's not a lesson I knew. I didn't, I didn't come from an environment, um, where I, that was ever important everywhere I worked. I, I basically went through elementary school to high school, college, and law school. So I was always working as a contractor part-time in different small businesses. And that was like a completely new concept to me a few years ago. And one of the things that one of my coaches uh, mentioned to me one day, she's like, you're hiring people that are that that are not you. They're not even close to you. You want, you know, mini-me Zyras. You want a couple other unicorn Zyras. And you're not attracting those people because you're not hiring for culture. You're not hiring people who believe in high performance or really compassionate or passionate about um, the mission. You're not hiring people who believe necessarily in integrity and want to be held accountable. So, so how it translates into culture is that that's a lesson I had to learn. And I have almost an entirely new team as of the beginning of this year. And it was really scary to start going through that right in the beginning of a pandemic. But for me, it has worked. And when I made the shift to put job ads out there that are very crystal clear about our culture and ask the right interview questions that are clear on culture and have the rest of my staff participate in that um, process uh, for talent acquisition and then have a continuous ongoing conversation in the first five days, 15 days, 30 days, 90 days, and just incorporating culture into every meeting and everything we do has been a um, game changer for me. Yeah, it's almost a better investment to invest in someone that has the right culture and potentially train them up on the skill set you need right. versus hiring someone just for the skill set and then, you know, them washing out after six months because culturally they're lacking. Yeah, you know, and I, I just to kind of maybe go full circle with the military part here, there's been a lot of things that I've learned from the military or interviewing people from the military and understanding what we need to do with our culture, how to make cultures better. And I was recently speaking to a retired uh, general from the Marine Corps who was talking about, and this was for uh, a book that I'm writing right now, but he was talking about how the, the average, like, year one infantry person is getting this training about aircrafts that they're going to need in four or five years from now in year one, right? They're already getting this pre-training well before they ever need it. And I was like, wow, 
what do we do when we want to move someone to a new job or they're going to need to learn something new? We basically wait until like the day before, the week before and go, oh, crap, and try to come up with something <laughs> to train them, right? And even if we do have a great training program, it's not three years in advance. I mean, it's not that kind of like super well thought out, you know, where do people need to be, um, which not only gives you a better roadmap, but allows for the uh, probably for the military what might be a radical change, right? Uh, they may suddenly need to put people into positions rapidly if something were to happen that they wouldn't expect to put them in quite so early. So that that prep. Um, so do you bring that sort of Robert that that sort of idea of like getting people ready, or is it or is that my is that just a different example than what you're doing? No, I definitely do, and I, I hope that I've influenced Sarah like this. Um, I am a huge fan of, of investing in people. And, you know, if you read uh, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, mm -hmm. you know, he talks about, like, get the right people on the bus. Um, he, he's a little extreme sometimes. And he's like, even if you don't have a job for them, just hire them. I don't know if we would necessarily yeah. do that. But I'd rather have the right people on the, on the, right, on the bus and then invest in training for them. And, and like you said, have this five-year to 10-year plan for how you think they're going to contribute to your company or your firm in the future. Um, and that's definitely not a mindset that uh, solo entrepreneurs always have. Mm -hmm. um, but Sarah can tell you, her, you know, her top performers in her law firm uh, have been there the longest. They're the ones that started off as the mail clerk and then got promoted to receptionist that then got promoted to office admins. And like those people, they're the most loyal they're the hardest working. They know the business in and out. Um, and return on the dollar, it's so much better to invest in good quality people. Well, and it's often that connection to purpose, right? So right. they're there for a reason. They know why they're there and they understand the outcomes of what their work gives them. It's so much easier to put up with all the junk that comes along too, right? Right. And I think that's super important, Chris. One, something we started doing recently is just at our stand-up meeting, we'll, we'll change it up uh, one day a week or every other week. And rather than talking about all the amazing things you accomplished the day before and what you've got um, to accomplish today, let's just pause for a moment and, and be grateful for our clients. And we all share a story about a client who was particularly vulnerable and really had to provide information that maybe they were a little embarrassed about and didn't want to tell us or um, just sharing what we learned was our client's journey before they met us. And, and remembering that at the end of the day, we're in the middle of a pandemic and these people trust us with their lives. They trust us to do something positive. They trust us to be people of integrity and do the right thing. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. Um, so connecting them to purpose is really, really important in our firm. Yeah, I remember reading this incredible study about, um, so these people were like telemarketers and it was their job to help people who had had financial issues, you know, kind of get these new products or to help them. And so they began telling stories of how it helped people. These products actually helped people, you know, be able to become debt free or to be able to start affording, you know, things for their family because they'd gotten themselves in these bad situations. And they, they separated this these groups into two different groups, and they shared the stories with one group, and they didn't share the stories with the other group. And the group that got the stories that knew why what they were doing made a difference were, like, outperforming two to one within three months. I believe it. Two to one. 
right? No difference in training, just sharing with the outcomes, right? Because if people don't know that what they do, what they do, what, what, how, how that impacts the business or the customer or anyone along that supply chain, then, then you kind of like stop doing it. You kind of cut corners. You just maybe don't care as much because you don't know, right? So yeah, it's um, purpose is a big thing. It's a big, yeah, big I- thing. I think management forgets that sometimes it might be the millionth case for us and we've done it over and over again, but um, just having the patience and Robert has tons of patience and I call him the educator. He's the educator out of the two of us because he loves to sit down with someone for whatever amount of time it is to teach them whatever it is that they need to learn in order to accomplish the mission. I am, I I admire uh, his patience and I think for small businesses that could be a little bit challenging sometimes, but Again, um, that comes with the territory, and we have to pause and, and remember that those things are just as important as the production and getting the work done at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, do you guys have sort of a maybe we were talking about purpose and we're talking, you know, about these things that matter? Is there something that maybe is really defining that is like a non negotiable core value for you? And, and if so, well, why is that for each of you? I think we would both agree on integrity. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm huge uh, on integrity, integrity. Um, you know, maybe it's because it was beat into me at West Point to never lie, cheat or steal. Uh, but I, I think for me, I- integrity is more than just not, you know, lying or cheating. Integrity is showing up to work full and open, you know, what you are, what you're bringing to the table, what you have to offer um, and just showing up to the game 110% every day. Um, I think to me, that's integrity. I agree with that. And and for mine, I like to attach accountability to it as well. Uh, I just, I sincerely believe that in my particular profession of being a law firm where we have people's lives in our hands, we miss the statute, you know, we blow a deadline, we miss a fact on a case and we're not talking about somebody maybe going to jail for a few months or losing money. We're talking about somebody's entire life getting up, uprooted and sent somewhere where they may have not been since they were a child. Um, and so we have to be honest with each other um, in our lines of communication as a team, You know what we're doing, what we're accomplishing. And we also have to be honest with the clients. We have so many referrals from leads that we said, so sorry, we just did an initial uh, intake screening on you. There doesn't appear to be an option, but please save our number if the laws change in the future. We get so many referrals from them, and the fact that they just appreciate our honesty um, is is a huge part of our culture. And when we have our client liaison call our clients to get feedback on how their experience has been, honesty is always the number one um, that our clients express. So. Yeah very important yeah yeah and and it goes a long way and i mean when i when i hear integrity to what you started talking about robert it is you know you don't don't lie don't steal the you know don't do those things but it's also like just if i say i'm going to do something i do it yeah if i tell you i'm going to meet with you because you have a concern i'm going to sit down and meet with you even if i'm super busy and like you know my hair is on fire that i'm going to do that thing or at least be really upfront and say, I just can't, and then let's reschedule, whatever, you know, but it's that following through with what you do. And I, I felt like the other part was really easy, right? Like, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. That's fine. That, that I can, I, that part makes sense to me. That was easy, but it was that not letting things go 
because they weren't that important to me, but it was really important to somebody else that keeping that was for me, what I had to kind of round out early in my career as being a leader to kind of help with that integrity part. So I think you bring up a really, really good point. And it requires that you know your own limitations as well. So if, if you are task saturated and you can't help somebody, instead you got to speak up instead of just saying, Oh yeah, I'll help you. But not being in a position where you can actually do what you said you were going to do, that would be lack of integrity. So it requires you to know what your own capabilities mm-hmm. and then communicate those capabilities clearly. Well, uh, one of the things that we love to ask our guests, uh, is there a book that uh, maybe uh, you're, you each have been reading or maybe one that you typically suggest that people read? Uh, I know you, you mentioned Jim Collins, Good to Great, which is always a good one. Um, but is, uh, is there a book that maybe has been on your mind recently? Uh, well, I'll tell you the one book that we both recommend uh, to everyone. It's part of new employee training for anyone that works with us, me or her. Um, but that's The Four Agreements. Uh, it's kind of a classic mindset book just about you know doing your best, not taking things for granted, not making assumptions. Um, it's a you know, very simple and approachable book that we make everyone read that works for us. I'm currently reading, though, The Future is Faster Than You Think by uh, Peter Diamantis. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, Um, where, you know, Peter talks about the convergence of different technologies like AI, driverless cars, uh, blockchain, stuff like that. Um, It's just a good, good thought book about what the future looks like. Yeah, my, my most recent one uh, would be the multipliers and um, learning from it how I can or how you can, because you're listening, right? Here I am talking about me, how you can really help discover the genius within your the people in your organization. And really, for me, it's helped me understand that everyone doesn't have to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Certain people are fantastic at certain tasks and others are not and that's totally fine um and so i've enjoyed that one um most recently fantastic well i've really uh enjoyed having you both on the show and i'm glad we were able to kind of do this slightly different format for me i know for you it just felt normal for me it was (laughs) different so um maybe we could uh give you each a turn to say you know how could people get a hold of you or find you and you know what specifically would they be maybe looking to do with you um, if, from a work perspective? Um, you know, what kinds of people you might want to hear from? I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, I like to talk to all kinds of people, uh, but if I want to kind of separate it out, Chris, the, the way you mentioned, uh, obviously I'm an attorney and so I speak on a lot of different um, panels regarding immigration, uh, but I, I really truly enjoy discussing um, leadership and my journey and the things that I have learned and, um, in, in those discussions, not just offering my perspective, but then learning from other people in the panel um, as well. And um, to find me, I'm on all social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I think my Instagram name is Zyra D. D. Solano. We had to put that in there because there's another Zyra Solano who already um, took it. And I really want to encourage everyone you know, before I, I finish speaking here to, to pick up our book, um, Robert is an amazing communicator and the way he, he wrote most of this book, by the way, 
uh, I'm, I'm part of the marriage, so I get to be on mm-hmm. the cover and I get to be in, in the author's part as well. But the way he weaves together a little bit of research, a lot of our experience, a lot of the coaching we received, and then kind of packaging it up with some bullet points at the end for um, you to really sink in and, and learn from. I know he's my husband, but it's an amazing book and um, it's a beautiful work of art and it's our journal pretty much for the last few years. So I just had to put that plug in. Ladies, if you're listening, yes, it's a book mostly written by a man, but I promise you it is fantastic. Uh, To get a hold of me, Chris, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the Robert Solano. That's T-H-E, Robert (laughs) Solano. Um, And then if anyone has any questions, uh, I also offer my phone number. They can text me. My number is 202-933-1501. And I I welcome any texts with questions or anything like that. Um, In terms of working with me, uh, one of the things that I've uh, launched with this book is uh, I really want to encourage couples to to get marriage counseling and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, while researching this book, I've met a whole bunch of marriage coaches, and I'd be happy to introduce couples to some of those coaches if they reach out to me. Well, it was a real pleasure having you both on the show today. We learned a lot. And uh, hopefully our listeners, uh, if they need your services or want to learn more, can reach out. Uh, I wanted to make sure. So uh, Robert's name is easy to spell, but I want to make sure we spell your name, Zara. Z-A-I-R-A. And I know I'm not quite saying it right. I think Zyra, but I think. That's perfect. That's perfect. Finally, just at the end, I finally got it right. So. Well, you've got enough practice. (laughs) And then (laughs) I forgot to mention our website, www.solanofirm.com. And uh, yeah, so if you need uh, an immigration attorney or any other help, I think uh, our hopefully our listeners will reach out. Uh, and hopefully we can have you both uh, back uh, at some point and give us an update on all the cool things that you're doing. That'd be um, fun. Maybe another book or a new place or uh, maybe another puppy like you have one I can see in the background there. So <laughs> uh, whatever the update is, we'll get it. Uh, but uh, thank you again for both for being on the show today. Thank, thank you, you so much. We loved it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Hopefully you've gained something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 